Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, where we interview location-independent entrepreneurs that travel the world like a boss by being their own boss. Here's your host, Johnny FD. Hey everyone, this is Johnny, and welcome to episode 218 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. We are in Sri Lanka, and I'm with Kevin Cook from Monkey Abroad. Welcome. What's up, everybody? It's great to be here. Thanks, Johnny. Dude, so I didn't tell you this, but the way I came across you is probably the, the most random ever. Like, I, I, from your point of view, I just kind of reached out by email. Yeah. But I was actually sitting at a hostel two days ago in, I think, Unawatuna, which is the next beach town over. And I was watching random travel videos about Sri Lanka. And when yours came up, at first I was not going to watch it because it was actually a different route than, than I, I was kind of planning on taking. And then something about your channel, I was just like, this guy seems like a really kind of cool, authentic guy. Yeah, and I was just like, man, like I wish I would have met this guy. And then I watched your next video, and you're like, I decided to stay in Marissa for a whole month. And I was like, I'm going to hit this guy up. Yo, man, I'm, I'm happy you did. Thank you, man. But here's the craziest part is I was sitting next to the Swedish girl, and she, all, she was like, oh, I want to meet this guy too. But I'm sure it was for completely different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I get that. There's... There's like a real mixture of comments that I receive, you know, like some parts are like, oh, this guy makes good stuff or good content. And the other half is like, you know, people that are more interested in me than my content, I guess. Yeah. So if you guys haven't seen any of his videos, uh, check out the cover of this of this video or um, of this podcast episode or look for Monkey Abroad on YouTube. Kevin has deep six pack, good looking guy. So <laughs> I, I can see why the girls uh, like him. Oh, man. I'm not as handsome as you, man. You know what? That would definitely be a lie. I think everyone's seen my videos. <laughs> but, no, like, seriously, I think what I really liked about your videos is that you were very, very authentic. Like, it, you weren't trying to be cool. You didn't have a big ego about it. It was really like, I want to show you how amazing this world is. Yo, thank you, man. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks. I, I try to do that. Some people would disagree. Some people think I'm... Can I cuss? Yeah, fuck those people. Nice. Some people think I'm a douchebag, but yeah, yeah fuck them, man. Yeah, like, seriously. And I think one of my favorite parts of that Sri Lanka video is you kind of cut it for a second. You said, all right, so we actually went to these other amazing places, but I didn't bring my camera. I didn't even bring my phone because I just wanted to enjoy it. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And it's, I think that that's something that as a blogger or as a digital nomad, whatever, you have to do sometimes because otherwise you're forfeiting your real experience the reason you travel in exchange for creating content and that's not good yeah and actually i hate most travel bloggers because when i hang out with them all they want is a shot yeah they'll plan their entire trip to squeeze in as much kind of instagram or youtube worthy shots in the shortest amount of time possible yeah so they'll go to a country for like two days hit up all the spots and they'll be like okay I'm done. Yeah. And that's not the way I want to travel. I know, man. I completely agree. I'm the opposite. I go and I'm like, I'll be here for three months and I'll make one video. <laughs> I know? think that's cool. Yeah. But it's one really good video. I, I, I appreciate it, man. Yeah. I try to compile as much as possible. Like I early on, I didn't want to get into the habit of being like, oh, I'm just going to churn out videos and just try to make as many as possible. I always wanted to do like, I'll spend a week at least on one video, like a 10 minute video because I want people to always know that I'm putting my heart and soul into every video, not just like, 
all right, I have an idea. I'll upload it. Okay, now it's up. Yeah, that's cool. And when you say you're spending a week, are you talking about filming it or editing it or combined? Yeah, filming, editing, uh, kind of combined. It depends. Sometimes it's more than that. But um, yeah, back in the day when I was doing my full-time digital nomad in like 2016, I made this series traveling for $20 a day. It kind of brought my channel up. Um, that was a really busy time. I was traveling. I was making a new video every week while I was on the road, but editing for, you know, five, six hours every day. That was a really hectic time and I'm glad I did it, but it also taught me that I can't really be a full-time digital nomad. It's, I like to have the mixture of like, okay, I can go do other work, but then if I have a couple months off, I'm going to make some videos. Yeah, that's cool. And I, I guess when you, when you mean not be a full-time digital nomad, you mean like content creator while traveling, right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So what is your actual sources of income? My sources of income are almost entirely in China. You know, I, of course there's YouTube AdSense revenue, but I mean, I can't live off of that. I don't have enough subscribers and views, but um, I've been living in China for five years. I've worked for a few different companies there. Uh, I worked for a digital marketing agency for one year and that kind of opened the doors to a lot of connections. So uh, an example would be I get offers for like sponsored video content that I often, it, it's not on my channel. So uh, the work that actually gives me money is video production work, but it's published on Chinese platforms on channels that are not owned by me. Oh, wow. So I host apps or videos or whatever, but for a Chinese audience, and I don't own the rights to it. I just get a paycheck. So That's cool. Yeah, so it's like the other side of, of the digital nomad thing. And I guess by having your channel and having them see it's successful and that you know what you're doing, that is kind of like a showreel for these Chinese companies to hire you. Exactly, yeah. It's In a nutshell, that's it, man. Like YouTube is just the platform that I use as a CV, essentially, mm -hmm. to get work in you know, promoting other people or their companies. That's actually really cool. I, I don't think I've ever heard anyone mention that before because most people who have a YouTube channel you know, their goal is to become a full-time YouTuber, which yeah. is not that easy to do. It's not, no. And I've, my goal used to be to become a full-time YouTuber. And I tried it and man, it's so hard, dude. Like you have to put in 90 hours a week. It's not, it got to the point where it wasn't fun. And so that's why I talk about the whole, you know, sometimes you just gotta put the camera away because, yeah. because I enjoy traveling more than I enjoy creating content. Yeah. Does okay, that make I sense? That. I kind of like a bit of a mix of both where if I never take pictures or I never make a video, then I feel like there's nothing to look back on. Yeah. Cause you know, I really enjoy that. I really like sharing the cool things I, I, you know, I saw, you know, things I did or ate, but at the same time, I don't want to take away from my own travel experience too much you know, by living behind the camera. So my rule for myself, at least, is I'll, you know, I'll spend five seconds taking a photo of, you know, the really nice um, avo protein bowl we had for lunch. <laughs> yeah. And, but then I'll put it away, you know, versus not taking those five seconds, not having the memory, or not being able to share it. Or the opposite, when people spend five or 20 minutes, you know, staging it, making it perfect, making sure the light's perfect, taking 80 photos, you know, just to have one. 
and then their food gets cold and they don't enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, totally, man. And I know I know both sides of that, and it's frustrating for the people that you're with too. Yeah. When you're like you have a feast and everyone has to sit there and wait for the blogger to yeah. take his photos. So, but at the same time, I bet you your friends super appreciate seeing the cool photos and the videos of their trip after. Even if at the time they might be like, "Oh, this is you know a little bit annoying." Afterwards, being able to share that video, being a part of it, and then reliving it, I bet they're like, "Man, this is awesome." Totally, totally, yeah. And you have to, I have to reassure my friends while it's going on, like, "Yo, I'm sorry the camera's in your face so much," because uh, people will be like, "Oh, vloggers at it again," you know, but. Then a few weeks later when the video's up, they're always like, oh man, thank you for creating that little gem that we can look back on. Yeah, or like share with your family and friends back home, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I love it. So the, the the clients that you have in China, are they like, I don't know, car companies or like, like what like what are they? Full range. We've actually, one of the clients I've worked for was, uh, not me personally, but I've, at the digital marketing agency, Yutong Bus, actual car company. Okay. But, um, mostly government clients. So obscure Chinese towns that want tourism, international tourism, but that aren't on the map. Places like Chongqing, uh, Wuxi, um, even even Chengdu. Okay. Uh, let's see. There's. I don't know if I've heard of any of those except for maybe Chengdu. Chengdu, yeah. Chengdu is making its way up on the list, you know, for their pandas and stuff. Uh, what are some other places? Yeah, Guiyang. Uh, that's just a few government clients. Also, Qingdao Beer. Yeah. Was a client that I helped. Oh, cool. We did a couple um, digital marketing campaigns for them, and I helped them pair up with uh, some like famous Instagrammers to produce content. So it's, in a nutshell, it's mostly just Chinese companies marketing internationally. Okay. You know, that try to get tourism or try to get people overseas to buy their products. And are you in front of the camera for these? Like, are you the one saying like, "Hey, come check out this this you know city I'm in"? Full full range. Okay. So if it's on my own blog. That's totally different, yeah. and that that you, now you're getting into like conflict of interest territory where it's like I re, I work for the agency, uh, this is the client, but I'm also a blogger, so it's like I have to satisfy my boss, mm -hmm. who owns the agency. I have to satisfy the client, but I'm also the blogger, and yeah. I want to make something that I like. So okay. that's tricky. But other times, uh, it'll be like contacting a friend who I know that's more relevant. For okay. example, like uh, uh, an Instagram photographer. To be like, yo, this would be good for that person. If I can bring them together, that could also be work. Okay, that's cool. So, are you pretty famous in China then? <laughs> like, do you yeah. ever get recognized there? <laughs> uh, I've actually, I've been recognized a few times in China. A few, a few different places I've traveled around by Chinese people, by foreigners. Yeah. Um, right now, my biggest source of income though is this app that I'm hosting. It's called the Buzz Around series. Okay. And it's like this app where we travel to different cities in the world. We've done Hawaii, Los Angeles. We're probably gonna do some cities in Europe coming up later this year, but they produce the whole thing. I help them write it. You know, we go to Chengdu for a few weeks and write it and travel. And then at the end of like a 40 day stretch of just nonstop writing, shooting, traveling, then I'm off. And that's enough to carry me for another few months. So that's when I come to places like Sri Lanka, you know? And it's like a mobile app or what is it? Yeah, yeah, it's a mobile app, and it's all Chinese users. Okay. And the thing that's cool about a Chinese audience, and uh, it's it, the media landscape there is just so different compared to the West. It's mm -hmm. it's not even comparable. And if you can tap into it, or if you know a company that can tap into it, it's such a lucrative field. And so, for example, uh, on YouTube, you have a hundred thousand subscribers. 
Well, you have 100,000 subscribers. Uh, I, I, I have 15,000. <laughs> I'm just saying, as yeah. an example, okay. you know, if you have 100,000 subscribers, you're not getting paid by your viewers mm -hmm. unless you set up a third-party Patreon, for example. Mm -hmm. You're getting paid by the advertiser that's mm -hmm. splitting that cost with YouTube. Yeah. But in China, it's different. They, how you make money is by, like, they have these apps where you pay a monthly subscription fee of, like, $20 but you get lots of really personalized content and you get stuff in the mail. And if you have 10,000 subscribers, then you are making bank. Wow, really? You, well, 10,000 subscribers, everyone's giving you 20, $30 a month. Wow. So, so it's like your own, it's like their version of Patreon almost. But it's, it's, it's direct, okay. you know, cause Patreon is that third party mm -hmm. because sooner or later there's going to be a platform that I think they tried like steam it, tried yeah. to do that. They had the whole blockchain platform, but Steemit is a is gonna fail, I think. Yeah. Um, well, blockchain might fail, but no. Yeah. <laughs> well, well I, that whole Bitcoin wave crashed yeah. and burned, you know, last year. But I think that that structure is the best way to do it, where your audience is paying you directly. So I guess it's almost like if YouTube wasn't free and just subscribe, you had to pay twenty bucks or something to like per user account. Yeah, but it would be a much more immersive experience okay. whereby like if you pay that 20 bucks, you're getting a packet every month in the mail mm -hmm. with like relevant things that are going along with what I'm doing because oh, wow. it, okay. like for, it's like an educational program what we're filming also. Okay. So it's a mixture of like you watch episode one and here's a little booklet with information about episode one. Okay. Watch episode two, same thing, or here's like a mug or something. So that's cool. Okay. Yeah. I, I do like... I mean, I guess from a consumer point of view, I really like how YouTube is a freemium model where, yeah. you know, we get bombarded with some ads, but we get this cool content. Yeah. I think from a creator, it's like, it, it's hard to make, I don't know, like, 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 at what does, like, at what subscriber account can it be a full-time living? Like, you have, so right now I'm at 15, about 15,000, and it's, I'm, I make 150 bucks a month. Mm -hmm. At, you have right now 115,000 or something. Like, can I ask how much you're making? Uh, on, uh, on an average month, if I don't make any content, okay, usually about four hundred to five hundred dollars a month because it's yeah. coming in from old content. Okay, and if you do make videos, like, what's a good like, what's a high month for you? Uh, if I make a video every week, a a good month would be seven eight hundred dollars. Wow. So I'm wondering if um, because I feel like my channel, even though I don't have that many subscribers compared to a lot of the bigger channels, for whatever reason, my percentage for my ad revenue seems pretty high. And I think it's because I have guys like Ty Lopez, like targeting my channel and like just putting ads on it. Cause it's really hyper-focused for like digital nomads, location dependence, make money online, which is like a very lucrative kind of, you know, place for people to advertise Yeah. versus you have a, a like a travel um, like channel that people aren't necessarily there to buy something. You know, it's kind of like, you know, maybe they want to, maybe like advertisers can like advertise like travel stuff, but it's not as lucrative to advertise travel stuff versus Ty Lopez selling you his, his 57 steps course for, you know, 500 bucks or whatever it is. Yeah. Have you like gotten on a, a third party computer and checked to watch your videos to see what sort of ads overlay? Yeah. And people, I mean, but people just tell me all the time too. They oh, just, really? Yeah. 
Then, then that makes sense, man. Yeah. Honestly, I've I've never really even considered that. I just usually consider the audience broadly, like, oh, it's 40% American, 20% whatever, and be like, okay, given these percentages, I should be making this much per thousand. Hmm. But good on you, man. Like, if you've got the right advertiser, then yeah, you can bring in five to 10 bucks per thousand views, which is great. Yeah, except for, you know, my scale is much lower, right? So I, I guess it's kind of like fishing with the wider net or fishing with like a spear gunner, right? True, but I think that what you have is more valuable than what I have because the number of my subscriber count might be above 100,000, but it's such a segmented audience because over the years that I've created content, I've created an eclectic range of content mm. ranging from Chinese language stuff to budget travel to street food mm. to Chinese culture. It's just the people that jump on board expecting my content always seem to be disappointed mm. with something. So no matter what I upload, I get always a chunk of people that unsubscribe and then a new chunk that subscribes. Oh, wow. And it's interesting to see, like when I uploaded this uh, Sri Lanka travel vlog, mm -hmm. I uploaded the vlog in another video and I, I predicted, I knew that this was gonna happen and I'm kind of happy it did. Mm -hmm. I uploaded the video, view count, when you look at the data, the mm -hmm. chart is very clear, view count shoots up, subscriber count shot down wow it was like total inverse because that uh that initial audience that segment of my audience was probably subscribed because of that chinese language video with yeah. jamie and they're expecting more chinese language content yeah and those are the people that are like man what the hell is this guy doing in sri lanka talking about i want chinese language so yeah and it, he's speaking in english yeah and so it makes sense Wow, you know that's a that's like this is really good advice for anyone who wants to start a YouTube channel or blog or really anything in general. Is you gotta fucking pick a niche. And totally. You gotta deliver what people want and what they expect. Exactly. And you can kind of pivot a little bit. Like my channel, if, you know, is travel, but as a digital nomad, not just travel. Like all the travel videos I make, I'm talking about. I'm showing co-working spaces. I'm showing you know like my favorite coffee shops or kind of like more nomad related stuff. I'm staying for one month to three months in each place, you know, versus, you know, another travel channel might be about, you know, if someone's staying in dorms, if someone's staying in like super luxury Airbnbs, it's kind of, it's a different audience. Mm -hmm. And so when people come to my channel and they subscribe to it, they know they're getting digital nomad, you know, entrepreneur content. It's either going to be about, you know, running the business while traveling or the traveling while running your business. And that's it. Yeah. You, yeah, you're right. That's and that's how you get the Ty Lopez yeah. ad slots. Wow, you know this is this is a good like kind of discovery just being on this episode. Absolutely, man. Yeah, you're you're right about having the uh, and here's something else. And you can you can disagree with me or not. This is just a funny trivial point. You use the word niche. I had a I studied uh, like advertising and journalism mm -hmm. in uni, and one of my professors said it's actually niche. Yeah. That guy have you <laughs> i'm not i'm not saying <laughs> i mean i think in french is niche yeah but when we anglicize it yeah like niche. We say niche i mean like if i drove a porsche i want to say i drove a porsche porsche it yeah, sound, yeah. It sounds so no and i'm not trying to sound like a douchebag man yeah. <laughs> but no no it's, i totally agree it's you have to be more niche niche however you want to say it and pander to that audience man because that's the biggest mistake i made is allowing myself to bring in all of my interests yeah. instead of choosing one and committing fully to it yeah or even just one or two yeah yeah
So where do you think your channel is going to go kind of now, like this direction? Or does it even not matter? Because, you know, is it because it doesn't seem like it's that big of a part of your income. It's more of a passion project. Exactly. Yeah. It's at this point, Monkey Abroad is a passion project and it makes me happy to hear you say that. It makes me happy to say it because I do, of course, enjoy the benefits of AdSense revenue every month. I like that, but it's not something I depend upon. Mm -hmm. And YouTube for me is fun. Mm -hmm. It's still fun and I don't want it to become work. So you know what? If if you don't like it, unsubscribe, that's it. And I'm gonna keep putting out the stuff that I like Mm -hmm. and that's my attitude. It's a little selfish, but. No, but it's at the same time, you will find plenty of people who like your stuff for you and they like your eclectic kind of collection of random stuff. Yeah, you know. I mean, I hope. <laughs> I like. I'm your perfect viewer because, and you know, maybe I'm a super niche guy, but like, I watched Sri Lanka videos. Like, perfect, I'm a Sri Lanka. Like, I like it. The next video was about uh, work, like uh, calisthenic workouts while traveling. I was like, perfect, that's what I need. Yeah. And then the next video was chi- like uh, speaking chi- Chinese, like to to people in China. I was like, oh, I speak Chinese. Like, this yeah. is. Perf- like this was perfectly suited for me and then even you know, I haven't looked into your street food or your budget travel stuff but I'm sure I would enjoy that as well Yeah. so I bet you there are more there's a ton of people in the world that somehow just fit that random like that random category that avatar yeah well I think it's just people who want to live vicariously mm-hmm. who are stuck in an office that's how I imagine because to be totally honest with you travel related travel related content uh, travel blogs, anything, I do not consume that at all. Okay. Even my friends, my some of my best friends who are travel bloggers, I just don't watch their content because, uh, and I this is, I'm gonna steal a quote from Graham Greene. Um, Once you live in a place for long enough, you cease to read about it. Mm. And that was written like in the 50s. So I, I think now it'd be like, take that and apply it to this lens. Yeah, that's One, true. Yeah. I just was watching travel bloggers and travel vlogs only when I was stuck in an office thinking, man, I wish I could do that. Mm-hmm. But now that I do it and I see behind the curtain and it's like, I know the work that goes into making a travel vlog. So when I see Lost LeBlanc or whatever, people who are killing it, just making this idyllic travel experience come to you in 10 minutes, mm-hmm. you're like, boy, oh, what a great life. But I know that behind the scenes, there is so much work going on and it stresses me out actually. Mm to watch travel blogs because I compare myself subconsciously thinking uh, I could be applying this myself. And so I actually choose to totally isolate myself away from content that is similar to mine so that I can maintain whatever would come from within naturally. Yeah, your own authenticity. Exactly. What, so I watched all the car review videos and electronic review videos for whatever reason. Yeah. And what drives me nuts is I can tell everyone watches everyone else's because they all start speaking in the same tech reviewer voice and it drives me fucking nuts. Yeah. You know, and they will even say things like, smash that subscribe button. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, well, I mean, every, everyone kind of does that and I think now more or less it's a joke, kind of like, what's up bro? Like, what's up bra? It's something that is a joke that became reality because it's true. You do need people to smash the like button because yeah. the algorithm is like, yo, if people aren't doing what you tell them, then we can't push you up. And so, yeah, that's true. But like, I think it's the way they say it. I'm like, I know this person watched someone else's video and they just are repeating the exact same words. Yeah. But you know what, you're right where I, I do need to follow the formula 
and, and remind people to leave a review of the Travel Like a Boss podcast on iTunes or on... I don't, I don't know Guys, get on message. iTunes right now and leave a review. Leave yeah. a five star, whatever that is. It five stars? Six big, stars. No. Leave, <laughs> if it's bought, leave a six star review. Guys, yeah. get on there now because it's true. Unless you prompt the audience, even your biggest followers, your biggest fans, they oftentimes will get so lost in the experience of listening to you that they'll forget yeah. to show you support through the algorithm, which is very necessary. Yeah, that's true, because that's how other people find it. Yeah, yeah the, the likes, the comments. Yeah. And I've done experiments where I'll say, I'll print it on the screen, I'll say, guys, give this video a thumbs up at, towards the beginning, and it's more than double the rate compared to a video where I don't say anything oh, at yeah. all. And so anytime someone's like, yo, bro, you're selling out, being like, well, I'm like, it, look at the numbers, yeah. look at the data, you, you, you have, have to. to. You have yeah. To <laughs> You know, but I, I do think that there's a way to say it authentically and say it in your own voice versus, you know. Smacks the like button. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. No, you're totally right about that. Yeah, maintain your own voice. That's number one. Yeah. And that is the reason why I liked your video and I reached out to you, you know. so And I'm glad I did. Yeah, man, me too. Yeah. Me too. And now I'm going to be following you. I This is honestly my first interaction with you, the first time I met you. And... I, like I said, I don't follow any really travel related stuff, but now that I've met you and I know you, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to engage with your content. And now that we have this network going, it's just going to continue. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's one of the best things about being in this sphere is that you can tap into the work. Cause people contact me all the time, bro. And yeah, I'm, I'm sure, sure you know, I'm yeah. sure you know too. People are who are like, yo, yo, people just in my inbox, guys, girls, whoever, yeah. who were like, oh, you're there. Oh, meet me. Come meet me, man. I want to hang out. And I'm just like, uh, but if someone else is a business person who's like, hey, I do a podcast, it's relevant to you. I'm like, yeah, let's meet up. Yeah. And I'm sure like it's, you know, you can, and if you wanted to, you can be like, okay, let me see if this guy, you know, let me see if I click with this guy and you can watch a video, or you can listen to a podcast and you'd be like, okay, yeah, he seems like a cool guy. Let's meet up. Yeah. Versus if it's some random code outreach, you know, email or DM on you know, wherever, you don't know anything about that person. So you're like, well, should I risk wasting my time meeting up with this person, having it be fucking awkward? Yeah. And we don't and waste my time. Yeah. You know? Unless it's a really hot girl, then <laughs> I'll make the exception. <laughs> you Which... know what? And you know what? And, but here's the funny thing: is you didn't uh, um, reply to that girl, that that Swedish girl. She's really cute, and she had matched with you on Tinder. Really? She was so excited because here's what happened. We were sitting downstairs. Oh, great. At the I'm, I'm excited to hear the other side of this story. Yeah. So we were sitting downstairs watching the video, and I was like, man, this guy like seems so cool. And he happens to be Marissa. I'm going <laughs> to, like, you know, I'm going to, like, uh, meet him up. I'm not going to meet him up. I'm going to message him. Yeah. And then she was like, oh, yeah, he's, you know, he's so cute. And, you know, um, and then that was it. But then she, she went upstairs. And then she came, I was working downstairs for like an hour. She came down. She was so excited. She's like, we just matched on Tinder. And she was so excited. And in my mind, I was like, all right, you know, let, let's see who has more pool. This hot Swedish girl matching on Tinder or Johnny with the podcast. <laughs> <coughs> oh, my God, dude. That is ridiculous. Yeah. No, honestly, though, Tinder is, Tinder around here is a little bit fucked, man. Like, Yeah, why, why is that? Uh... I don't know. I've honestly, I've, over the years, I think that I've learned Instagram is a more wholesome way to meet people. No. Instagram DMs. <laughs> yeah. Because Tinder, there is this expectation. Okay. 
that is, and I'm not going to get into the, you know, deep water with this by saying anything too controversial, but regardless of who you are, man or woman, there is an expectation and that you're DTF. That you're DTF, exactly. And, like, no one will, no girl will say that. They won't admit to it. No one will admit but, it, but, but everyone everyone knows. But here's the thing. The, the Tinder was started as a hookup app. And it is still a hookup app. Even though people like to say, like, it's for friends, you know, or, like, oh, just for travel <laughs> buddies. Like, the fact that you are swiping left or right based on if you would... Bang, you know, and the <laughs> girls are just as guilty of this. They're not swiping right on guys who look like they would, you know, have good conversation. Yeah, you know, they're swiping right on the guy with the six pack, like Kevin. <laughs> Man, I mean, uh, to okay to alleviate this girl though, like I, I'm not like going through being super, you know, selective. Like, oh, this is the girl. Like, I'm just usually kind of on the yeah. toilet just kind of going quickly like, right, right 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 yeah and two two defense and then this is what i told her i was like you know what i bet you like because this was just like two days ago and i was like i bet you he just has so many matches he just, he just hasn't had time to go through it it's and like i mean and unless it i don't know it, this is something that because actually i'm meeting someone at four o'clock today that i that <laughs> i tinder met date? not tinder on instagram oh okay so i mean she messaged me about sri lanka you know that's usually how it starts it's like yo i'm gonna be traveling there soon Talk to someone for a couple of weeks, and then that, in my experience, has been the the best sort of meetup. Is it's it just starts in a more wholesome kind of it's way. It's more magic, yeah. It, at least okay. it feels that way. Yeah, it's not the whole like, how did you meet? Yeah, Tinder. on Tinder. Yeah, which it carries yeah. a stigma. And you know, yeah, and you know, people do get down on the DMs and on Instagram as well. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's more. It could also be like a normal thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I you're not the first person I've known who have met. Like who's like met you know uh, a, a partner or girlfriend or just random people through through Instagram? I think it really is becoming kind of like the new way for people to to meet each other. Yeah, and I think that whatever the new platform is is before it gets kind of corrupted and people start having bad experiences through it. Like that's the, kind of the the normal cool thing until people have had a couple of bad experiences, meeting some douchebags or some crazy girls, mm-hmm. and then they they're like, okay, I'm not doing that anymore. I will say that I think you you hit the nail on the head with that. And a very short story here. I did meet a girl that I dated for a while. We met on the Chinese equivalent of Tinder, Tantan. Oh. Have you heard of it? No. It's it's the exact same. Okay. You know, China's a and outwardly they'll be the first to admit it. They're very much a copycat culture. Yeah, yeah. And they made this app called Tantan that's just like Tinder. And I met this girl, of course, you know, super hot Chinese girl. We hit it off. We dated for a long time, but man, dude, I just, I'm not going to put the blame on her because I tolerated her BS for a long time, but I think that what you say carries merit because it sort of damaged the way I perceive Mm. these hookup apps or if you want to call it that, because that's, I I have the negative feeling towards them now. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. And once you're jaded, you know, from, from it and like, you just, you, you're not approaching it with that super open-minded, positive, optimistic, you know, blank slate, at least, mm-hmm. then it it just kind of doesn't work, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. We just have to kind of wait for the new thing, which right now is probably Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. I mean, there are a couple girls on, on Tinder, though, to Tinder's credit, that I'm talking to that are in different parts of Sri Lanka that I'm like, if you come to Marissa, ah. hit me up. But otherwise, I'm, I'm kind of waiting. If not, you know, hey, the, the line is cast. Ah. <laughs> and if, if I get a bite, I get a bite. So what's your Instagram handle? 
Uh, monkey abroad. Okay. One word. Mine's Johnny FDK. Let's see who gets more messages. Johnny FDK. <laughs> yeah. Word. I'm, I'm sure it's gonna be monkey abroad. <laughs> <laughs> nice, man. I'm looking forward to uh, to to seeing or just I guess to seeing how the audience interacts with this later on. Like. Uh, yeah. I would say like my audience is pretty cool. So so shout out to everyone listening. You know, everyone's like a very normal person. I've met up with a lot of podcast listeners. We have a lot of people that go to our annual event for digital nomads called the Nomad Summit, which happens every year in Chiang Mai. That's I see the sticker on your Nalgene. Yeah. Nomad Summit. And people are super cool. There's like normal cool people. And I think it's because to sit through an hour podcast, you know, every week or every two weeks and we're not just hyping it up. We're really talking about like business. You know, we talk about the fun stuff too, but we kind of like, we, we tell it as it is, you know, like we, we don't just say, Oh, you know, like, yeah, you know, YouTube's amazing. You know, everyone should become a YouTuber. Like, yeah. you know, it, you know, overnight, here's how to do it. Like, I think the people that listen to this are more kind of realistic and they're, and they're down to earth. Yeah. 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 And I think that the, the, we're reaching the point where the digital nomad is also kind of stigmatized because yeah. Nowadays, people are trying to take, they're trying to leverage mm. what they've created to then, I don't want to say prey on, mm. but they leverage the audience they've made to be like, and you can do it too. Mm. And now they make money by selling their program that's like, here's how you make money by being a digital nomad or something. And yeah. I'm only saying this because I've received comments. Mm from people who are like, stop trying to tell your BS. And I'm like, I'm not, what am I selling? Yeah, but you know, here's the thing is, at the end of the day, like, it, if, it, if what they're selling is really, like, actually generally works, and, you know, they don't overhype it like Ty Lopez does, you know, like, you could have a Lamborghini in three days. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but like, if someone wants to learn how to make $1,000 a month, you know, from selling books or, you know, like, or they want to learn how to like translate or write or be a copyright, whatever. Yeah. Like it, like the path to it is relatively short and simple. It might take you two or three months. You might have to like learn a new skill. Totally. And if someone wants to sell a course for 300 bucks on how to do it, and they're really step, you know, walking through and answering questions, like you are shortcutting someone, you know, years of going to like university or trying to figure it out on their own. Yeah. So it actually could be a really, really good um, thing that they're offering. But I think the stigma is people who have never done anything themselves where they just jump straight into being a, a coach and they're like, you know, that's their first job ever. Oh it's yeah. Like, and, you know, and I got 1000 followers and now you can too. Yeah. You're like, yo, dude, bro, thousand freaking followers. Yeah. Right. You can't turn that into money, you know, or someone who has, you know, let's say 20,000 and they get these sponsored trips, you know, through Instagram, but they've never, you know, they don't actually make any money through Instagram. They yeah. just get these like, you know, three day trips. Yeah. And now, you know, they're, I guess if they sell it, like, do you want to be able to get free trips from your Instagram? That's okay. But I think a lot of them, they'll sell it as like, get rich off Instagram. I, I totally, I see the point you're making. And I think a good way to view that mm -hmm. is like, if someone says to you, I make a thousand dollars a month, mm -hmm with my blog in actuality from a travel blogger perspective this is purely hypothetical i don't think they're making a thousand dollars i think that they're receiving what a thousand dollars might have bought them mm. so and they'll translate that into money yeah, like okay. money is just the means to that end and if you cut out the means and you're like well i would have traveled with the money yeah. i earned in the first place so if i can just travel for free then 
that'll just remove the problem of money. Yeah. So I think most travel bloggers aren't actually making that much money. Yeah. Well, maybe I'm just saying that. No, because... most of them aren't. Like, mo like, I know a lot of travel bloggers that go to like TBEX, like the Travel Bloggers Conference. Most of them are broke, most of them are cheap as crap, and they just live off of free stuff. Yeah. But they also have the mentality where they're just like, they're not really putting out really good content. They're just putting they're out, churning it out. Crap out. And man, I know, and that's why I can't consume travel because yeah. man every time i can't it's so frustrating for me when i see the most popular bloggers out there with just the most just it's just awful content yeah and it it, it gives me anxiety i could say I because i'm like bro i want to make content and i want to i want to do something that'll be significant but then i see people who are clearly more successful financially than me creating stuff that i would never consume yeah, but here's here's what's unfortunate, and you know, it's they are creating stuff where people click on, and you know, at, at the end of the day, guys, if you watch it, if you watch some crappy low like low value content that's just hype, you are bumping that up and making these guys more famous, and they're just gonna continue that formula. It's the reality TV show formula. Yeah, you know, it, it's popular even though it's mind numbing. It's it's crap content, yeah. but reality tv sells and so does you know shiny travel blogs you know about you know getting a villa in bali you know yeah, and yeah that totally has, you know that has no real legitimate value it's except for has a hot girl and cool places i think that you just touched on another valuable point and by the way i don't want to seem like a jerk when i say that i have a lot of respect for all the travel bloggers out there who are working 80 hour weeks churning out content that's something I don't have the discipline to do. So uh, I have no respect for you guys. If you're <laughs> turning out crap content. You're wasting your time and our time consuming it. <laughs> okay, so good. We have both sides <laughs> represented here. It's an objective podcast. But you just touched on uh, girls, mm -hmm. like hot girl in the thumbnail, hot girl in the thumbnail by the beach. Mm -hmm. uh, that is, and like you talk to anyone who does this, and they'll just tell you straight to your face. Of course. Sex sells yeah. indirectly, you know, if you have a hot girl in the thumbnail, you're going to get way more clicks. Yeah, and it's true. And unfortunately, I'm part of the problem. I will click that Sri Lankan video with some hot girl, you know, at, like on the beach over, you know, some, some dude. Some dude poking his head out of the train. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and that's why it took me so long to find your video. I watched like 20 other ones before I watched yours. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like the good content... I would like to think it ends up winning, but it only ends up winning if people, you know, that consume it and really like it, share it, they comment, they subscribe, and they're like, okay, I'm gonna help these channels kind of, this good content spread the word, because the, you know, like the, the formula ones, the hot chick formula ones, those are always being on top. And if people wanna watch that when they're in their cubicle, kind of like a reality TV show, they can. But if someone wants really good, genuine content, it's you know I, th I think there's a, there's room for us you know kind of maybe we won't be the most famous maybe we won't make the most money but I think the, the subscribers that we have will are gonna be gonna be worth it yeah man yeah. totally I, I think you make a point though about the people who are watching their cubicles versus us mm -hmm. like I'm hyper critical of content and I can't I can't help it so it's not as fun to watch travel blogs. Um, because I'm comparing myself to it mm. versus just getting lost in the experience that the creator provides, yeah. which is the original intention. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's like having a couple authors 
talk about a really yeah, it's cr- boring. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's boring. Uh, you know. It, but once you once like, you let me just enjoy Twilight. Like it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but like once once you get into the writing sphere, you yeah. can't. There's no going back. You can't look at literature like that and be like, someone called this is not a book. Yeah. You know, but maybe that's a warning for people not to become a travel blogger or YouTube creator if you want to continue enjoying that stuff. Totally. You know, I think I'm at a point where. Yeah, sometimes I'll even watch something and I'll be like, fuck, I should be doing that. Or shit, I should get a drone. And I'm like, I know my videos could be better. And then it, it does kind of frustrate me. And it almost made me not want to make a Sri Lanka video because the ones out there are so good. Way better than any other country I've seen. I didn't watch a single video before I came here. I created my video, mm-hmm. uploaded it, and then I watched all the Sri Lanka videos. Maybe that's how I always do it. But maybe that's also why yours isn't kind of a rehash of of a lot of other people is that yours kind of came out so authentic because it wasn't, you know, like, okay, I'm going to follow the same route everyone else took. But anywhere I go though, yeah. any content I've created, you, you can call it, I guess, working in a vacuum yeah. or I purposefully make myself ignorant. I'll read about it, mm-hmm. but I don't like to consume something that's too, it's like getting too close yeah. to what I'm about, about to, to try to attempt myself. Stuff. And I know whether it's conscious or subconscious that I will copy somebody else yeah. in my work if I see it beforehand. I, I think there was um, a quote about like all all art is stolen because it, it's always inspir- you know inspired by somewhere else. Yeah, but very I, postmodern. Yeah. yeah, but I guess you know at the end of the day, like there's a difference between being inspired by other other people and kind of like finding the same kind of cool spots versus only doing that and only kind of being the fake kind of thing. Like a good a good example of this for podcasts is one of the most popular part of you know, the number one podcast is entrepreneur on fire it's a guy named john lee dumas and he follows a formula where it's like a script right and his pod his podcast to me is so annoying to listen to because he's not even interviewing the guy like me and you we're having a chat we're having a conversation there's no script we're having a real conversation and we're allowing other people to kind of join in on it yeah his is like all right you know John Lee Dumbass here, you know, you know, episode 2086, you know, yeah. and like, you know, what are the top five favorite books you read for this year? Okay, what are the top three, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay, yeah. that's it, you know. Yeah. And I'm like. He's he's afraid of dead airspace, I guess. Yeah. He's, he's got to come with the canned questions. It's somehow it works. And he, you know, he'll record eight in a day back to back and. But he's popular and he's number one. Yeah. And I know that if I followed more of that formula, I could be higher up there. Yeah, that's that's the that's the devil in the algorithm. Mm-hmm. Is like, yo, make your content shittier, make more of it, so we yeah. can put advertisements over it, yeah. and we will we will give you the reward of more viewers. Yeah. But this is, I think, we both had secretly found the the hack where we don't rely on this as our income, so we can make it authentic. We can have it be what we enjoy doing. Yeah. Because you have your side gigs, so you have your, you know, and you can use this, you know, and that's even smarter is instead of just having this be a waste of time, you still make some money from it. It's nice, you know, 450 bucks is nothing to see is that. Yeah, yeah. And then you can, more importantly, use it as your resume or your CV to get these higher paying gigs. And then for, you know, for me, this is kind of like my outlet, right? I enjoy doing this. It helps me get connections. It gives me ideas. Like I probably learned more from this podcast than anything because I get to interview successful people and ask them what they're doing, how they do it. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's, you make such a great point, dude. And I, I agree with you. Yeah. It's, this is still fun for me and I'm having fun right now doing this. Yeah. And I hope you guys can hear it in my voice. Cause I feel like you can, you can hear a smile yeah. through the phone or in the <laughs> microphone. You know what I mean? This is fun, dude. And 
I can tell you've done two more than two hundred episodes, like two hundred forty. This is two forty. Two fourteen. Two fourteen. Man, to make that many podcasts yeah. and to still be enjoying it is a great thing, dude. Yeah. So you're you definitely found the right niche for yourself. Thank you. Yeah. Like man. I wish this podcast made more money, <laughs> but you know what? It's like at the end of the day, it's this is it, better than money, man. It is. It really is. It's better than money. You know, and it brings so many new opportunities, new friends. Like, if I didn't have this podcast, I would just be another hot chick hitting you up on Tinder trying to get you to meet up with me. And You, <laughs> you would know? transform into a hot girl <laughs> if you didn't have the podcast? Well, here's the thing. is like, I, it would, I would probably have a pretty low chance. <laughs> but because I have the podcast, yeah. like, it is powerful. Th- like, this is how powerful it is. Yeah. It's, it's more powerful than being a hot chick, which is a very rare thing. Totally. Well, because business business and connections and networking if you have the right mind for it is where the real life experience comes from and if even if your end goal is to whatever get hot girls or something the path to hot girls isn't so direct you need to have your own passions and your own thing and that'll lead to more opportunities i think so coming to you in a way is also me spreading my wings hopefully you know networking building this thing so that i can grow and so that you can grow and hopefully we can meet more hot chicks. <laughs> I don't know. I think you have enough <laughs> on your Tinder. You don't even have time to respond to. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna de- after this. I'm definitely gonna open my Tinder and be like, oh god, who? who Which one was it? Yeah. Oh no. No man. Right. <laughs> I wonder if she'll listen to the podcast too. You know, I'm gonna make her. I'm gonna send it to her. If you're out there, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I didn't respond. Or if I did respond and I just quit talking to you, just say you like Asian girls. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, yeah, I've totally, ever since I've been in Asia, yellow fever got me yeah. bad. Sorry, he, he doesn't like beautiful, blonde Swedish girls. Yeah. Well, I mean, the girl that I'm meeting today in 45 minutes yeah. is a blonde Ukrainian. Oh. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah. Some of the most beautiful girls in the world. Right? Yeah. Have you been to Ukraine? I haven't. I'm going to be there this summer if you want to meet up. Really? Yeah. What time? Or we're... From at 9 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. What time? Okay, all right. I think I'll be there... From May till July. Okay. I'm going to go for three months. I'm going to make my home base for the summer. Nice. Why yeah. Ukraine? Ukraine is this... It's it's like... You know when white people go to Asia for the first time? And you're like, fuck, this place is so exotic. It's so different. Yeah. I'm like, I can't believe this exists. And like, everything's just like exciting and new. For me, going to Asia, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is kind of like summers visiting Taiwan or like going to China, going to my you know, uncle's house. When I went to Ukraine, I was like, whoa, where am I? This is like a whole new, like, universe, you know? And the fact that they look like, you know, other Europeans or Americans, but their culture is so different, it's like, it's so exciting. And right now, their currency is so devalued that everything is essentially 75% off. Like, a five-star restaurant that would normally cost a hundred dollars, and like these are like nice restaurants you go to, the bill will come out and it'll be twenty five bucks. Okay. And you just be like, I can't believe you can get a bottle of champagne at a nightclub for thirty bucks. Uh, so that's one of the motivating factors. It's yeah, I mean like it's cheap. The food is amazing. The culture is really cool. In the summer, it's a beautiful place. You know, mm. I wouldn't want to be there in the winter, but I don't know. It's just like it, it, I think it's like one of the last really interesting places on the earth. Like for me. I don't, you know, I'm sure if someone grew up in Poland, they wouldn't want to go to Ukraine because it's too similar. But, like, as an Asian guy or Asian American, like, to me, it's like going somewhere, like, for you going to China, probably. Yeah. 
Yeah, it has that exoticness. Yeah. Exoticness? Yeah. Is that the noun? I don't know. For exotic? Okay. Exotic. Yeah, exoticness. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> How's your Chinese, by the way? Like, how, how much can you speak? Uh, you want to speak some Chinese right now? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, we can speak Chinese. Wow, it's uh, I think you just said one o'clock. So, now we can speak Chinese. If you can hear Wow, that's pretty good. Like, good, good accent, good vocabulary. I would say... I don't want to, like, bother, like, the podcast listeners that don't speak Chinese with too much of it. Yeah, I'm not going to... Yeah, because I, I was imagining the person who's like, yo, what the hell, dude? What are you like, saying? Yeah. yeah. But actually, the episode right before this 213 with Lydia Makova she did the outro in nine different languages or maybe eight because one was sign language that she speaks but yeah wow she is like it was really cool super smart girl for real yeah so that's that's like a polyglot but that's like omniglot yeah well so she actually was the creator of some of the polyglot conferences uh, in in Europe some of the big ones and then she did a TED talk on language learning so wow. she's all about that. Yeah. Man, like I studied Spanish for like 10 years in school. Yeah. I used to be pretty good. Yeah. And I went to China and then I was like, all right, I'm really going to study intensively. Yeah. And my Chinese is now way better. Hmm. But now my brain is, is fucked. Wired, man. yeah. Every time I speak Spanish now, all of my pronouns, w- without me realizing it, maybe this yeah. is just dyslexia. I speak a mixture of Spanish. All the nouns will be in Spanish, and all the pronouns will be in Chinese. Like what? Give me an example. Okay. Yo shang chu la biblio. It's like yo. Like I, yeah, yo shang. Okay. Like. Yeah. Or actually, no, no, okay. That was a, the flip flop. The flip flop, yeah. Yo shang chu la biblioteca. Yo quiero chu. Yo quiero tada weixin. Yeah. But, you know, maybe it's because, like, in our minds, we're just like, okay, don't say it in English, say it in, this, in the other language. But yeah. now there's a third one. Yeah, the, syn- the synapses in my brain are just like, just that's the right door, right? I'll open. Oh, I fuck. Nope. No. I don't know. But it is, it is cool that you speak Chinese. And yeah. I think it's, it's kind of sad because even though I speak Mandarin and I could probably do really good, like, I could probably do really well in business if I moved to China and I did, you know, kind of bilingual business somehow, like, regardless of what it was, like, there's probably a lot of opportunity. I just don't want to do it, you know, because it's not exciting to me. It's like the, the, like, the idea of me going to China is like torture, you know? Like, I'm like, I don't want to deal with this. It's like going to my grandparents' house and, but like versus going to Sri Lanka or going to Eastern Europe, it's like, wow, this is interesting. Yeah. But China, China's where the money is, yeah. you know, and Chinese people know business. Yeah. So I'll give them that, you know, yeah. and they just, from the top down, they make decisions. And I've got friends in Taiwan who complain about, you know, they want democracy. They're 99.9% voter turnout. But mm-hmm. with democracy, things get done a lot more slowly. Mm-hmm. But in China, like tomorrow we're building this tunnel and it's built, <laughs> it's built. Yeah. so i'll give china that it you know of course to make an omelet you got to break a few eggs yeah. i forgot who said that like lennon or mm-hmm. someone but like china is like we're gonna break some eggs yeah but the omelet will be on the plate yeah. very soon yeah so uh, in the states we're over here like which eggs are we gonna break uh no, you know no, no, don't break my eggs yeah, yeah break their eggs yeah so yeah i definitely pros and cons to everything but kind of a really interesting thing and actually, we, I had a discussion with a local Sri Lankan guy about a colonialism. 
because we kind of just assume from the Western world that colonialism was a bad thing, you know, like uh, like white supremacy, like you know, going in, like taking advantage of these poor countries, you know, like thank God colonialism is over, right? But I asked, like, I was walking through Galle, the Galle Fort, it's like old, the old Dutch fort, beautiful place, and by far the nicest looking city in Sri Lanka, you know? Have you been there? I actually haven't. Oh, man. You got, you got I know, it's really close to it's here, so too. so close, dude. You could take, like, $3, maybe a $5 taxi or yeah. a 30-cent bus ride. Yeah, yeah. But it really beautiful. It, it, almost, it almost looks like you're in Europe somewhere, and... It has all the, you know, trendy coffee shops and cafes. Of course, it's going to be double the price. But I was like, man, like, if this was colonialism, like, and they built all this beautiful architecture, like, they they just didn't think kind of right, even though it's kind of messed up. And I, when I spoke to the local Sri Lankan guy, he was like, he's like, no, it was great. They built our railroads. Like, if it wasn't for, for the English, we wouldn't have trains. And that's how we get around. We haven't built a single new railroad since they left. They brought us tea. And tea is such a big part of our culture. Oh, yeah. If it wasn't for for the British, we wouldn't have tea. And he's like, you know, obviously, it's, you know, he, and he said, like, yeah, of course, it's 50-50. You know, some people, you know, are you know, hated it because they're oppressed. But even today, a lot of people would rather be an English colony again and be, you know, be part of the English rule. Yeah, it's that's a controversial thing. It depends on who you talk to. But, yeah, man, there's when it comes to colonialism... There's there's lots of benefits, but you're you're stripping away the the culture in favor of of convenience and comfort. And if you talk to anyone though, for the most part, they're like, yeah, we like the comfort and convenience, but it's that balance of maintaining what was there with what the promise of colonialism can bring. Mm. That was <laughs> yeah, I think it's something to think about. But yeah, I know. but I mean, as as a someone who's like ninety percent northern european i don't think that my opinion about colonialism is i don't think i have a platform to stand on but i think that's why it was so interesting when i spoke to the sri lankan guy i would have expected him to be like what are you talking about it was like it was slavery you know yeah but the fact and i'm sure during the time if you asked one they'll be like yeah like of course it's bad you know we're being slaves yeah but now with all the things it brought you know like the tea and the trains and i'm sure there's a lot of other things too the architecture, some of the cultures, you know. I'm sure that now, kind of looking back, a lot of the younger generation who didn't grow up through it, they just see kind of the rewards from it. And they're like, yeah, it was great, you know. Yeah. It's almost like if you ask people from Budapest or in Hungary, like, what do you think about the Turks? They're like, oh, they built, us, they built our, um, our bathhouses and our, like, you know, really nice, um, you know, beautiful buildings. But I'm sure during Turkish rule, they hated them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, I think I'll I'll bring in Shantaram. Yeah. We, this is a point that you and I talked about. I have the book Shantaram, for anyone who's read it, by uh, Gregory David Roberts. Excellent book, highly recommended. And um, Johnny noticed it. I had it with me when we met. And he's like, oh, man, great book. And so we started talking about it. And one of the big points, I'm still not finished with it, so don't give me any spoilers or anything. But one of the big points in the book is the uh, the guy that he really looks up to. Kader, Kader, however you pronounce his name, makes, he's very prophetic in the way he speaks. And he always talks about moving towards this ultimate complexity that a lot of people would call God. And anything that moves people towards that or anything that moves us closer to that is ultimately good. And even if we do what would be considered the wrong thing, if it moves us towards that, then it's ultimately good. So 
I think you could take that from what he said, if that makes sense. Yeah, okay. Because it's like previous generations suffered. And I'm not saying that that's good. And absolutely at that time, it must have been terrible for people. Um, but now looking back, you talk to like the Sri Lankan guy who can see what his ancestors have done and created in, in, in collaboration with people who came and sort of forced this on them. And they're like, actually, yeah, it, it kind of turned out okay. Yeah. So to hear that from a Sri Lankan man is, I think, a very valuable thing for you to have heard. Yeah, you know? I, I definitely agree. And that's why I liked talking to him so much. And I think this is why it's so important to speak to locals, get off the tourist track, not just hang out at hostels with backpackers. Even though it's, you know, it's fun. You know, I like hanging out with Germans and you know, Dutch people. But it's so nice kind of getting off that and meeting some locals. Like, you have your Sri Lankan mom out here. Yep. And I'm sure, you know, like, every, yeah, you just have this huge smile when you think about her. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, we're, we're just chilling in my place. It's It's like so far from the main tourist beat and all the hostels it's all locals around here and that's that's how i want it man you know if i want to hang out with backpackers just walk a kilometer hang out at the hangover hostel or whatever it's called and you can make plenty of friends in one hour but you know if that's all that you have you're never gonna have that immersive local experience you know yeah and i think it's kind of, like for me i like having a mix of both you know like oh totally totally i don't want to just be around people that can't really communicate or have anything in common with yeah but at the same time i think people miss out when they just get drunk every night with with other backpackers yeah yeah, yeah. You know, and you know what's interesting i think when like if you travel with a group of people especially people from your own country you sort of no matter who you are you will end up bringing your culture and forcing it on wherever mm -hmm. you are but if you're by yourself it's almost like you have no choice unless you of course you only yeah. hang out at the hostels or whatever with other backpackers you sort of have no choice but to assimilate hmm. and that's why i like you know being in this house by myself hanging out with this sri lankan mother every morning she brings me breakfast is yeah. it, i have no choice man it's like uh it's like i feel like i'm living the sri lankan life if only for now yeah i like it speaking of your house really cool place just like a five minute walk from all the cool coffee shops and restaurants you're pretty close to the beach and you're you're paying like nothing yeah man 12 bucks a day it's it's got a you know air conditioning it's got a kitchen you know bedroom of course you know uh everything you could want it's a little it's got a, a fence all the way in the, around the yard it's private you know it's like a little house fruit trees in the backyard yeah, fruit trees breakfast brought to me every day i'm sure i mentioned that yeah. but <laughs> you love you really like the breakfast uh, man if you see this breakfast dude it, you'd be like yep but you've got to mention that yeah. it's huge and it's like, I don't even have to eat lunch, man. Wow. Okay. It's like, it's that good. But, okay, so I think one one thing that people would want to know is how do you stay in shape while traveling and kind of working online? Because for a lot of people, when, they, when they're at home, you know, I know this is for me, if I'm in a place for a long time, I can get into a good routine. You know, I can get to a good, you know, diet, you know, eating habits, I can start cooking at home, I can go to join a gym. But you you know, are living under your bag. You carry on only like I am. And, but you're in great shape. How do you, how do you do it? Men, that's, you make a great point about routine. When you're in a place for a long time, you can make a routine. And when you have a routine, everything falls into place. Um, I think that diet is the biggest thing. Diet's like 80%. And when you're in a place like Sri Lanka, healthy food is like 
a walk down the you're walking on the road and you can impulsively buy something that's healthy so that's a big part but otherwise man calisthenics dude like push-ups swimming the beach i will not get up early unless i have an ocean to jump into and that for me is my routine waking up going swimming yeah so tell me about it so you, you wake up you bicycle down to the beach how long does that take uh, it's like three minutes, okay, man. Okay, so it's not like you're not getting a crazy bike workout. <laughs> oh, oh, the bike workout is, yeah, that's just point A to point B. Once I'm at the beach, okay. lock the bike up, swim maybe 500 meters. How, how long does that take? Maybe about 20 minutes. Okay. And are you like swimming hard or are you just, are you just swimming and enjoying yourself? I'm swimming and enjoying myself. I'll swim out to where it's pretty deep okay. and then I just swim along the beach. Okay. And uh, some parts I'll do sprints, you know, like I'll, I'll do freestyle sprint mm-hmm. and then I'll just do a casual breaststroke. I mean... It's, it's an interesting question. Uh, it, and then I'll come out, run for a kilometer, do some sprints or something, mm-hmm. and do pull-ups. You, I mean, you can do pull-ups anywhere, man. Like, if you look outside, if you see a tree branch, if you see anything that's above waist level, just grab onto it, mm-hmm. crank out a set, and keep walking. Okay, nice. Yeah. And you do, like, a set of 10, or what do you do a set of? Uh, I Usually, like, 20 okay. for the first set, and then sets of 15 afterwards. Wow, okay. So, yeah. So, in total like how many pull-ups are you doing a day every day usually at least 50 wow that's a lot of pull-ups yeah but i guess you know what people don't need to start doing 50 no no no, no. <laughs> it, it would be it would be bad for you to start doing that many you'd be just tearing your muscle more quickly than it yeah. could rebuild but okay. i think that over time like any athlete like anyone who does anything progressively i you know in college i could hardly do any pull-ups yeah. but i just kept doing it and now it's like more of an endurance exercise than a strength exercise okay. so it's something that you can kind of maintain. I think someone once said, like, basically, you don't have to count how many you're doing. You just count how many. You, the only ones that count are after you get tired. So, like, you only have to do three, but you don't start counting until you're, like, you can't do it anymore. Yeah. Have you ever read, uh, what was it, the four-hour work week? Yeah, or the, 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 what was it, the 20-minute the body or something? Yeah. Or? Oh, the four-hour Tim, body. Tim Ferriss. Yeah. He, I think he was the one that said that. Okay. Because I, I read that excerpt, and he's like... You just push your muscles to the point where you can't do any more, and then you do two more. Okay. Those are the only two reps that matter. Yeah. And so I do count. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point you make about like you do, oh, three sets of 12 of this and that. It's all bullshit. Do a workout. It doesn't matter how many reps you do until you can hardly – the pain is so intense. Right. But then just do two more. Okay. And then rest. Th- of course. And of then, course. And then repeat that process. Okay. Repeat it. And – just keep doing it though is the thing like uh i don't go that intensely like i'm always you know i'm i'm hunched over breathing really hard every day but i won't work out for more than 45 minutes at a time because that one workout's not gonna actually do anything in the grand scheme it's like i'm working out for my 80 year old self not for my today self you know what i mean i think that's a really good point you make because it's not doesn't just apply to exercise it's with, with everything you know consistency and just just doing it like over and over and over again that's what builds wealth you know that's what builds a business that's what builds a following you know so whether it's your youtube videos my blog or podcast it's just you know we're investing you know or exercising it's just consistently doing it doing it kind of right pushing yourself a little bit better every single time and you know after 
a year after two years you wake up you're like oh yeah it's fine yeah and everyone else who's watching is like i could do that let that looks so, you know, or like people are like i don't know people who see success and they think ah oh, well i could do that i just chose not to or something it's like no but there is there's something to be said about and this actually i'm going to bring it back to the the travel bloggers who are just churning out mm-hmm. content you know it's like there is something to be said about consistency mm-hmm. because i don't have that when it comes to creating content you know so that's where i lack discipline and some people stepped up and they can just churn it out yeah and it works it does it really does work especially with exercise yeah you know? thanks to that and so business what, what's your diet like so are you eating all that bread and rotis for breakfast um only for breakfast okay i eat a shit ton of carbs for breakfast okay and as much protein as i can i have eggs that i cook here too but a lot of dal in the morning though i don't discriminate okay that's like uh man before 10 a.m mm-hmm. just go to town eat whatever the fuck you want okay after 10 a.m then be just like look man i ate half my day's calories already okay. just kind of coast so drink what, a lot of water what, what's your typical lunch and your typical dinner here in Sri Lanka? i'll eat rice and curry yeah sometimes twice a day okay. uh with fish always i eat pretty much only fish okay. in the last month i haven't had any other meat except fish and I'll eat a tuna steak, some mahi-mahi. I go, to the be- I go to the beach and I'll pick out a fish. Right. Every day, usually, just eat a whole fish. Okay. With fries or anything on the side? Yeah, yeah. Of course, uh, with fries. Whatever, <laughs> of course. Of course. Yeah, whatever they serve it with, okay. I'll eat. So, okay, so you're not like that picky. Like... No, no, because okay. I know that the next day I'm going to wake up and work out. And it's like, you know, uh, if I do eat more than I should or if I do drink more than I should, drinking is the real killer, yeah, I, I think, for gains or whatever. You gains, bro. It's, you know, lowers your testosterone, mm-hmm. metabolizes into sugar. It's just not good for you. Okay. But, yeah, avoid alcohol if you can, guys. I can say that. Nice. It's, it's a, I always like asking people that are successful how they did it. And what my favorite thing about it is that it's always different. You know, because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this. They're like, bro, what, like, what is this guy doing? He's not fasting? What, like, oh, what? He's eating carbs? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing is, we can also find someone who's in really good shape who does fast and doesn't eat until 4 p.m., skips breakfast, doesn't yeah. eat any carbs, and that might be in really good shape too, you know, but it, it's kind of like, I think what they would have in common between you and him and, you know, someone who might be just eating carbs and doesn't eat any, you know, any protein at all and might, you know, might be in shape right now <laughs> is consistency, you know? They just like, they just follow one thing and just, they just keep doing it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I just know that no matter what I consume, or drink or whatever, I'll always get up and I won't have that, man, I guess I should just throw in the towel because I ate blah, blah, blah yesterday. Like I'll always get back into it and whatever I eat, it's just fuel. And so, yeah, man, roti, bread, whatever, man, just turn it out. So part of the the reason why you're able to kind of live this lifestyle is because you built your, your business to be either, are you actually earning money now or are you, is it just that you earned money while you're, you know, like while you're on contract in China and then now you can kind of just chill. It's, it's a mix. Okay. So I, I earned enough money to keep me fed until summer, but in the meantime, I'm still receiving AdSense revenue and I don't even really take that into account anymore. It just kind of goes to my account and later I check it like, oh fuck yeah, I got that money, you know, but otherwise, I mean... If I just factor in the AdSense itself with how cheap living is here, 
I'm just breaking even. Yeah, and it's fine. Yeah. yeah. And so for me, breaking even, because I do have other money and investments and stuff. Mm. I'm not like super rich, but if I can put aside a couple thousand here and there, mm. I'll invest. And so like that's the money I'm looking forward to later. But for now, man, if I can just break even and travel the world, yeah, why not? Yeah, I like it. I like it. It's it's. This is another kind of different way of do, doing things. A lot of people, I think everyone we've had on this episode so far has been making money consistently, you know, while traveling, you know, and, but a lot of people don't realize you can kind of do both. You know, you can have your three month stints of, of a project or work and then like kind of a, a break even point. And this is a smart way of doing it as well. Yeah. Cause yeah. it's like, I never feel like I'm burnt out. Yeah. Cause I've done the full-time YouTube thing and it burnt me out. I've done the full-time work thing and it burnt me out. Yeah. So I think that, like you just said, the path to success is different for everyone. And yeah. success is, is relative anyway. Like, what is success? Yeah. Everyone has a different opinion about it. Yeah. And for me, it's not about how much money I make. So if you talk to someone else, they would call me a failure because I'm almost 30 and I don't have X dollars to my name. But it's we well, own a big house yeah i don't know have a, yeah, yeah yeah it's like but the intangible things that i've received over the years that are a part of me that no one else sees are for me and for me alone and that is where my real richness i feel comes from and a what is it hold on this isn't my quote but i love it if you have a poverty of desire you will always be rich so i just try to have a poverty of desire i have a, a couple things and, man, I'm, I just feel so fortunate. I'm thankful every day that I'm able to do what I do and be able to meet people like you and do create content and just travel and enjoy my life, man. It's, it's a blessing. And it's meeting you is that reminder that I'm in this world with you. You know, we're, we're out here doing cool shit. We are. We and really are. Yeah, we're doing yeah. cool shit and we're making money, even if, yeah. it's, even if we're not on yachts, man. Yeah. We don't have that sort of stress. Yeah. From I mean, I can. It's you seem like a very chill, laid back. I have guy. No stress. Like yeah. <laughs> I have no stress. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. because you can you can find that point where I know people that are making multiple tens of thousands on YouTube, and bro, the tax alone that they're dealing yeah. with is like. When I think about that, I'm like, oh fuck yeah! yeah. I didn't even think like you get used to that kind of money. Yeah. And then suddenly the government's like, I, we, we know you made this much money, but like, yeah, you owe us like $80,000 yeah. now. You're like, what? I, yeah. I, I can't imagine getting into those waters. So That's insane. Yeah, man. Yeah. But, dude, it's been really fun hanging out with you. It's great having you on the show. Oh, yeah. And, dude, like, I, I, you just checked your, the time because I, <laughs> I, like, it, this hour just flew by, I think. Shit, man. Yeah, it's been more than an hour, right? Yeah. It's, you know, and oh, I just got a message. Uh. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, hold on. But yeah, this is. Sorry to do this to you guys, and I'm I'm slated to meet this girl in about 20 minutes. Okay, anyway, it's not loading. Okay, but <laughs> sorry to. We'll end this on a strong note, guys. Yeah. Um, would you recommend people to come to Sri Lanka? Uh, man, that question. I cannot recommend this country enough. This is an undiscovered gem in the world of traveling and I feel guilty saying this because I know that it's going to be tarnished soon just like the rest of Asia Southeast Asia is already tarnished in many ways but Sri Lanka is a gem and come here and enjoy the experience take it in 
and feel the warmth of the people here because they really do genuinely seem to be happy with foreigners here. And that's, for me, is that's reason enough to live here. Yeah, I, I love it as well. Uh, I'm going to write a full blog post on it on johnnyfd.com, but I've been here for a week. I'm already, I was looking at extending my flight to stay even longer and I'm already planning on coming back next year. It's such a, a nice place. It's basically what Bali was 10 or 20 years ago before Eat, Pray, Love, before the tourism, before all kind of the garbage and the BS. It's like a nicer, cleaner, quieter, way cheaper version of Bali, yeah. I, I think. And it's unfortunately, you know, as you mentioned, you know, everything kind of gets destroyed and we're kind of the problem too. Like by us telling people how amazing it is, gonna get more tourists and yeah. in five or ten years it's gonna be kind of overdone yeah but right now at, at least as of 2019 Sri Lanka is incredible yeah and we're not there's nothing we can do to stop that it's coming regardless of us praising it or not so but it is hot as fuck we are both yeah. sweating our balls off right now but it's fine because we've got a beach oh yeah I've been surfing yeah I finally can stand up now like it took i i tried in bali for so for, i lived there for a month i yeah. couldn't stand up because first i'm not very athletic in that sense i like i never snowboarded or skied or you know skateboarded and what would happen is by the time i would paddle out to where the waves were i'd be so exhausted that i could try like you know a few times and be like oh, i'm done for the day yeah. here the surfing is so easy you just walk out and it's so cheap it's like it's fifteen dollars per lesson yeah or two dollars and fifty cents to rent a board it's insane None. Have, have you been surfing i have been surfing actually yeah and um actually one of the one of the partnerships i have here is uh i met a couple guys that have a surf school a couple local dudes and i'm kind of filming them in exchange oh, cool. they just let me use their board for free oh nice so yeah it's like i'm not making money but i'm not paying for a board yeah yeah. Another kind of perk of uh, yeah. having a channel. Right? <laughs> I'm sure even though the the two dollars a day you're saving renting the board, you could have like yeah. your your video <laughs> fees would have been much higher than that. Yeah, but it's in the end, it's so much better for the universe. Yeah. I think I want to help these guys out. It's like an act of friendship. Like yeah. you give me your board, I'm I'm staying busy. I have a project to focus on. Yeah. It, everyone wins in the end. That's cool. I like it. So if you guys want to see how beautiful Sri Lanka is. I'm gonna link to his uh, Kevin's YouTube channel, Monkey Abroad, as well as the video that he made. I'm gonna embed that in the show notes. You can watch that video. Hit the smash the subscribe button. <laughs> hit like. But seriously, you, you'll like the video. You can see what Kevin's like. Uh, if you want to subscribe to my YouTube channel, just search for Johnny FD on YouTube. And if they want to follow you on Instagram, it's Monkey Abroad. Monkey Abroad, one word. All right. Thanks for being on the show. It's really fun. Johnny, thank you so much, man. Really enjoyed it. Dude. Yeah. I'm sure we'll hang out more here in Sri Lanka. Yeah, yeah, yeah for some, sure. Uh, uh, rice and curry one day. Yeah. Good. Do you drink? A little, not not that much. Okay. Yeah. All right. Which is why I'm on the other beach. So I'm actually living on the on the next beach, um, Welagama. Even though it's quieter, there's no bars or anything there. But they have surfing. And then you're on Marissa here where there are cool bars and more, more to do. Um, so, but we're literally 10 minutes away, so yeah, easy. Yo, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Really. It's been fun. All right, guys, if you guys enjoyed this episode, please go on iTunes, leave a review and tell your friends, take a screenshot of this, share this episode with anyone who might want to go to Sri Lanka. If you use Android, go on Castbox or wherever you listen to your 
podcast, leave a review there, and we'll see all of you guys in a week or two. So until then, stay bossy. See you guys. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.